Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finding. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. So last episode, we explored many types of venoms. I mean, the big three, right? Hematoxins, neurotoxins, and... Cytotoxins. <laughs> Thank yep. you. Right? All right, so now we need to apply our venom knowledge into all sorts of different venomous animals, uh, most of whom are only scary in Australia, uh, but we'll get to that later. God, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I almost feel like... In places where humans are, venom is actually a negative evolutionary trait because we kill the shit out of you. Mm. Whereas, like, in a place like Australia where you didn't have humans for much longer than the Eurasian landmass. Um, although, God, I guess humans came to the Americas after humans came to Australia, right? Didn't, like, aboriginals first, like, sail to Australia, like, 30,000 years ago or something? Yeah, the date for when we came to the Americas is also in flux, though. So I, I don't know if it's that certain. Who gives a shit? Um, point is, guys, <laughs> let's talk about some of the animals that are venomous. Yeah, and then, you know, at a certain point in the episode, we're also going to chat a little bit about how people are treated for venom. Yeah. And uh, also, once again, remind people to stop sucking. Yeah, this is like kind of like a DIY episode. How except can you I, I treat just, venom? Just don't take medical advice from a podcast. Well, except this one. Okay, let's take it. We'll, we'll hop into it. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we're gonna start off with our favorite Canadarians. Yeah, Nidarians. Nidarians. The venomous what Nidarians. What the fuck is the C for? Oh, I don't know. Okay. It, it came from some language, oh, right? It's the not ocean. English. What? It's the C that designates because oh, there's land Nidarians. God, That's no, that has it. a that has a silent L in the front. This, this, is, this, is, a, <laughs> this is a visual linguistics joke. Yeah. That's not gonna work well in a podcast. <laughs> C Nidarians. <laughs> Right. It's in the ocean, idiot. So we know jellyfish can be venomous. Right, everyone knows jellyfish are venomous. They have those little nematocysts that shoot out little spike fuckers from the tentacles, right? Right. And those deliver venom into the tissues of anything that brushes up against the tentacles. Okay. Right. Now, and these are, their venom compounds are actually from the same evolutionary tree or something as spiders? Is that what I'm reading these notes? From millions of years ago? <laughs> No. <laughs> what I was saying in the notes is that Nadarians split off from the rest of animals a long time ago. Yeah. Right? Like that, 300, 400,000, right? Years. Millions and millions of years ago, Nadarians split off from the rest of animals. Yeah. I mean, like hundreds of millions of years ago. It feels time. that way because they look so different. Yeah. Yes. That's actually true, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but despite being separated from us for so long, yeah. they have a lot of venom components that are actually very, very similar to spiders and snakes, which suggests that certain enzymes that have different uses in our bodies naturally yeah. are ones that tend to evolve into toxic venomous ones. Right. Because it keeps happening separately 
in different evolutionary lines, right? It's not that the same enzyme is toxic and then stayed toxic in jellyfish, stayed toxic in spiders, stayed toxic in snakes. It's that the same sorts of enzymes tend to evolve the same kinds of way to make certain kinds of venom. For example, Nadarians have a phospholipase enzyme in their venom, which digests phospholipids in cell membranes and can break up cells. That is the same shit that is in snake venom and spider venom. Okay. Okay. Same stuff. Uh, they also have a number of neurotoxins that can mess up ion channels on neurons. And that makes neurons fire inappropriately. Or it makes the neurons not able to fire at all, which can cause paralysis. Um, kind of seems like with biological entities, there's a certain number of ways to fuck them up. Yeah. And so you kind of converge upon them, right? Yeah. So this is a good example of convergent evolution. Yeah. And uh, you can also see why certain venoms would want more of something than another. Sea anemones, for example, their venom components are very much on the side of paralyzing things. Right. Because they just kind of like slowly want to suck you out. Yeah. And they're sitting, they're sitting there. They're sitting there. You know I mean? They can't move. So they need to make you not move. Right? right. Whereas with jellyfish, you're not moving very quickly, but you got these long tentacles and some fish right. maybe swim into it. You paralyze them a little bit. You digest them a little bit, yeah. and you pull them in, you eat them, right? All right. So the most deadly jellyfish are in Australia. Yeah, the most venomous one anywhere are the box jellies living off the coast of Australia. Is that just like, when you say most venomous, do you mean most venomous in as much as they have the most impact on humans? Because, like, are some jellyfish more venomous but just towards fish or something? Yeah. Okay, so the most venomous jellyfish for humans is the box jellyfish. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Why is it so good against humans? Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. It seems like they have a lot of these pore-forming peptides that we kind of talked about in the last episode that make little holes in cell membranes. And the thing about these peptides is once they get into the bloodstream, they poke holes in your red blood cells, and it makes the red blood cells leak out a lot of stuff, including potassium. And potassium is something that can, like, really change how your heart beats. Right. Like, normally, your potassium levels in your blood are very, very carefully controlled right. because of its impact on your heartbeat. So having a bunch of potassium leak out can make your heartbeat irregular and can also right. cause a heart attack. Basically. Right. You really don't want irregular amounts of potassium. Yeah. That's why a lot of medical science has really swung against bananas in the last few years, right? No. It's because they irregulate your potassium. Well, I'll say this much. Do not inject banana into your bloodstream. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Stop it. <laughs> um, but basically, if you have skin contact with a few feet of box jelly, you know, like tentacle, mm -hmm. just a few feet of it touching, you know, your belly. Yeah. That's enough venom to kill an adult human in a few minutes. Right, right, right. That was a very disastrous brief fad in Australia, wasn't it? Jelly on my belly. <laughs> oh, killed, goddamn bones. Killed a thousand kids after one concert. <laughs> yeah, so try not to do that. Don't do that. Because it can kill you. Goddamn. Plus, it. you're in the water, right? So, like, if you start to have an irregular heartbeat and you're, like, swimming around the ocean. Double trouble. You're just going to drown. Yeah. Right? Like, nothing's going to help. At least you rejoin Mother Nature. That's right? beautiful. Because you get yeah. eat. Yeah. Right? That's beautiful. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And you're already dead and already not moving, so even enemies can get in. Oh, yeah. They're right? all going to get in there. Nah, nah, and those nah, little, nah, like, nah. crabs down at the bottom. and there's like, Under nah, 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 nah. the sea. That was the original animation to that song, was, like, them eating a human corpse. <laughs> just, under the sea. It's like a whale fall, except it's a human fall. Like <laughs> yeah, that. darling, it's better. Yeah, human fall. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> nipping on this cracker. <laughs> I love a boat. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they censored that. Disney censored that. <laughs> so let's take a break. All right. And when we come back, let's talk about... Arthropods. Yeah. Okay. Stuff like spiders and scorpions. Right. And shit.
You've signed up for Disney Plus. You've gone to Disneyland. You've taken your family to see Frozen 2. Now you can get Frozen 2 with Disney Cryogenics. For a low price of $30 a month in perpetuity, you'll not only get access to FX and Hulu, your corpse will be frozen with Walt Disney and the body of the original Mickey Mouse. Happily ever after. You'll never leave Disneyland. You're dead and frozen there with Disney Cryogenics. Sometimes, when you're at the end of a magical Disneyland adventure, you feel dead inside. Don't go. Stay. Frozen. Forever. With Disney Cryogenics. All right, guys, so we're back. So arthropods are pretty famous for their venom. This is everything from wasps, bees, uh, I was about to say snakes, uh, scorpions, spiders, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, there's a few other ones yeah, like yeah. centipedes and assassin bugs and shit like that, but you get the main idea, yeah, right? Yeah, There's little bug mantises that dip their arms in I, venom. Honestly, if there was a <laughs> thing like, where they did that, I would totally believe it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I could, I could money legitimately on. imagine a praying mantis just like in the wild, like scraping its like dudes on like a frog's back yeah. and then just like going out there and just like chopping some shit <laughs> yeah, up. I believe that. They're very dangerous. Okay. Okay. So, and then centipedes. I've been bit by an assassin bug. That's me. Straight through my fucking thumb, dude. Wow. It's fucking heavy metal. What an asshole. I shouldn't have picked him up so much. Well, yeah, but I mean, still. <laughs> what a jerk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that little guy flung off. So, realistically, very few people die each year from arthropod envenomation. Like, people who typically die from scorpion stings, or, or, or people who do die from arthropods, it's going to be scorpions, or it's an allergic reaction to bee or wasp stings. So why are scorpions so much better at killing people than spiders? It might be because scorpions have defenses against mammals more. Oh, uh, can more mammals eat scorpions than spiders? Maybe. Because uh, okay. honestly, spiders, uh, there are very, very few kinds of spiders that can kill a person. Right. And out of the ones that can kill a person, we've gotten very good at treating it. Right. So... Very, very few people die from a spider bite, whereas like a reasonable number of people die from scorpion bites. I think another potential reason is that scorpions have gotten pretty good at figuring out ways to live around people right. in ways where they are almost guaranteed to run up against a person. Right, like so in like, a shoe or something. Exactly, right? right? Like if a scorpion's hiding in your boot yeah. and you put your foot in there, the scorpion's going to sting the shit out of you because it's mad yeah. that you're crushing it. Right. Whereas, like, spiders, like, where the fuck are they? Well, I thought black widows had the kind of a similar problem. Uh, so black widows have a tendency to kind of live around people some, but black widows and most spiders will retreat rather than bite a human. Right. Most Scorpions are ornery. Yeah. They sting you. They'll just sting the shit out of you. And there is a spider that will also bite you right. rather we'll than run away. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the main point there is what I'm trying to say is spider bites... Pretty much don't kill anybody. Right. Okay? And the bee and wasp stings, the fact that they kill you is not really because they're venomous per se. It's because of your allergic reaction to that venom. Yeah, unless you are stung by like a big swarm of wasps. Right. I feel like we always hear about one of those, right? Horror stories. Yeah, it can happen every Man once in a while. Man stung by trillion wasps. Yeah, you and know? in that situation, it's because like each individual wasp sting is not that much venom. 
But you can get overwhelmed if you are stung by a thousand wasps or something, right? right? So that is possible. But yeah, I'm kind of harping on the spider thing a lot because I think there's a lot of people very afraid of spiders and very afraid of the idea of venomous spiders. Right, because of Spider-Man. Well, actually... You want to get bit by spiders in Spider-Man. Yeah. Because now you're Spider-Man. Yeah, and then you're Peter Parker running around. Yeah, you'd think more people would be you're, into You're it. being Tom Holland. Yeah. You, your skin does get paler, I've noticed. Well. You know, all those people were African-American. Talk to it. And, <laughs> and then turned into Tobey Maguire. But what about Mike Morales? Yeah, that's true. Maybe times has changed. Times is changing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, let's go into the example of a particular spider that actually can kill you. Yeah, right? you're really so, just backtracking on everything. Well, you said no, so no, far, I, right? I. It's just almost none of them are really a concern, right? Okay? Unless you live in Australia. Yes. In which case, the Sydney funnel web spider is legitimately dangerous because you do need to get medical treatment. If you don't get medical treatment, you will probably die. Oh, what okay. kind of toxin is it? They have several different kinds of toxins in there. That's but, pretty impressive. Um. Well, venom is usually a mix of toxins. That's cool. Uh, I didn't realize that. No, so when I was talking about the categories earlier, right. I didn't mean to say that a Venom would only be one of those. They're not exclusionary. Venom, venom often will have a neurotoxin and several cytotoxins, maybe multiple kinds of neurotoxins and stuff like that. That's cool. And so actually, yes, one of the big ones in the Sydney funnel web spider are delta atracotoxins, which are neurotoxins. They mess up the sodium channels on neurons, force them to stay open. Right. That makes you have this massive neurotransmitter release. Your neurons get overexcited. Uh, you get all kinds of uncontrollable muscle twitches. And really all this comes back things. to the heart. Yep. Your heart fucks up. Yes. Right. Okay, so the reason any of these things are dangerous is not just because of the toxin, but because of where you interact with this animal. These are like scorpions, huh? They like live in places where people will get fucked up by them. Yeah, so they certainly can, but another issue is that unlike most spiders, particularly male ones of these, male funnel web spiders are like unusually aggressive. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. Usually males are kind of the punk bitches and just given the sexual dimorphism of these animals, right? Often females will be kind of like more trying to defend their yeah, territory and bigger, or stuff like yes oftentimes but whereas, in this particular case most bites by sydney funnel web spiders are by males of the right. species and they're just kind of assholes like right. seriously like they will sort of like display at you if you're getting close yeah but then rather than run away they'll which they're given you. ample time for they will come up to you and they can bite through shoes that's incredible they can bite through toenails and just like fucking like legitimately have a strong bite that can just get into you and inject you with venom that's incredible and their rate of including venom because spiders can also control whether they have venom in their bite or not right. their rate for including venom is higher than most other spiders too interesting most other spiders when they bite humans they don't inject any venom at all like 90% of the time. Right. But for funnel web spiders, it's like 30 to 40% of the time, they do have venom involved. Right. Which is just higher. And like, why are they such huge assholes? I'm not sure. But like, they are definitely assholes. Right. This is why the, the Morrison government is deporting most of them to the Solomon Islands. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Australian politics. Yeah, good eye. <laughs> um, so, right. So, you know. Well, that's crazy, dude. That's crazy that its fangs are strong enough. That's just nuts. Yeah, so, you know, in, in the U.S., there's, like, the brown recluse. There's the black widow. Yeah. Like, yes, they are venomous. And, yes, if you are bitten by them, you should seek medical attention. They don't bite through be... fucking shoes, though. No, they don't. Yeah. And they just, typically, they don't want to bite you. 
Right. They don't want to. They're not you know nearly I mean? as aggressive as what we're talking about right here. Right. And so that that's why I think, you know, broadly speaking, people usually don't die from spider bites. Bees usually kill more people yeah. a year than spiders do. Uh, although this is typically from allergic reactions rather than the venom itself yeah. killing people. Right. But when you have an allergic reaction to a bee sting, it is because of a component of the right. venom. And it's so hard to treat the Sydney spider because, you know, again, you have to suck the venom out and no one wants to suck an Australian man's toe. Aww. So he just sits there dying. And he's just like, Blake, someone suck my toe off. <laughs> like, no, no one's like, you can't treat me again, Bob. And he's like, no, really, I'll go bit on the tap. The, the first person who told me that people are supposed to pee on your bee stings was an Australian man. So the, Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was just trying to convince you. You're like, no, but sir, I haven't been sung by a bee. He's like, no, really, here, I'm going to just pee on it. We were like, we were at some kind of thing. I was a kid, and <laughs> uh, I, I had gotten stung by a bee for the yeah. first time in my life, and it hurt or whatever. Sure, right? and I was trying to make walks over with his penis out, and he's like... And an Australian dude came up to me like, you know, <laughs> in Australia, you pee on it, <laughs> and that makes it better. I was like, oh my god, like, who are you? Yeah, like, I think I'll just take the bee sting, sir. I am a child. Like, I, I don't want to. So anyway, wow, so that was man. terrifying. Wow. Um, Manhattan Beach, dude. I don't think it was Manhattan Beach. Oh, was that Beach. Burbank? I think it was Burbank. Well, that was your first mistake. Yeah, well, sure. I didn't choose to be stung by the bee. Yeah, no, no. There was a famous number of Australian peeing incidences in Burbank uh, around that yeah, time. That makes a lot of sense. All right, all um, right. No, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is gently wrap the bite area and then seek anti-venom, right? Sure. Do you you want to do the treatment part now? No, isn't it? Isn't there like a little note in there about that? Um, yeah. I say you need to lightly wrap the area. Oh, you're right. It's in this section. Yeah, okay. Son of a bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So yes, Nathan, you are right. Okay. You need to lightly wrap it in bandage yeah. to immobilize the area, right? So it's kind of like getting a splint in your leg yeah. if you like broke the leg or something. Right. The main idea is you don't want to move too much. Because too much body motion is going to help spread the venom. Wow. You want a light bandage to kind of discourage some of the spread of the venom. But you don't want it to be too tight. Right. A lot of times people will wrap bandages really tightly because they're like, oh, we're trapping the venom. And I get the idea. But if you cut off blood flow, that can also be really dangerous to that tissue. Okay. Right. So, light bandage. You want some kind of splint to immobilize the area. And then you need to get medical help so that the person can get the anti-venom. Okay. And that's how they're gonna get treated for these Sydney funnel web right. spiders. So let's go back to bees. Yeah. Um, we've already established you treat them by an Australian man peeing on them. Yep. Um, more people die of bee stings than any of these other things we've been talking about, right? Than spiders, anyway. Than spiders, yeah. And we had talked, or we had briefly mentioned that they usually die from an allergic reaction, but the story's a little more complicated than that. Because their allergic reaction is to the venom. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so in that venom, the major B allergens are usually enzymes like phospholipase, which we have been bringing up several times. Phospholipase is one of the toxic components of venom in pretty much all the venoms out there, including things like jellyfish and stuff like that. So mm. the phospholipase that's in bee stings, a lot of people are allergic to. Another one uh, that they're allergic to is hyaluronidase. Hy Hyaluronidase. God, it's always such a hard word to say. Yeah. Basically, that's something that chops up hyaluronic acid and everything in your tissues. Right. It's one of the main exports of Hyrule, right? Whoa, is that a Zelda reference? Anyway. Wow. So, so, so what's the difference between a venom killing you because it's a venom and a venom killing you because you're having an allergic reaction to venom? Yeah, so the mechanism, how that manifests in your body will be kind of different. Okay. Okay, so for bee stings... There's also a peptide called mast cell degranulation peptide. 
And that means that it like signals to certain immune cells in your skin, the mast cells, to dump out histamine. Histamine causes a lot of pain and swelling in the area. So that's one of the reasons why just bee stings in general have a tendency to be kind of painful and kind of swell up. Right. Right. But the allergic reaction can cause systemic anaphylactic shock from your immune system overreacting to the bite. Mm. Right. Because the venom components of a bee sting do a, like a little bit of damage in the local area. But the main point of a bee sting is to make you hurt. Right. Not to kill you. Because bees don't really give a shit about whether you die or not. They're not going to eat you anyway. They're just trying to be like, hey, get away from whatever we're doing. Right? So it's to cause pain. And it usually is localized damage. The systemic response is the thing that can kill you. And that is an allergic issue. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's take another final quick break. After that, we're going to talk about how to drink. Sure. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> the following is an actual advertisement. Our sponsor for Petri Dish is a product that I literally have been using every day, Athletic Greens. So I started taking Athletic Greens because, you know, maybe if I wasn't a garbage person, then I would actually be cooking completely balanced meals and eating them for every meal of the day and taking them into work and all this stuff. But just realistically, I don't have the time or energy for that. You know, like I'll do some meal prepping and I'll cook some things. But realistically, sometimes I just eat junk food or something. And it's it's a really good way to be able to get a bunch of vitamins and nutrients that normally you could get in a very well-balanced diet. But hey, let's be realistic. Is this in like a smoothie? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Do you want me to describe that earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so basically the way that Athletic Greens comes is in uh, powder form, okay? And what the powder is, is it's a powder of things like spirulina and a bunch of other greens, vegetables essentially, right? And so it has over 75 different vitamins. It's kind of like taking a multivitamin pill. Right. Except because you're usually taking it in some kind of food or drink form, it's a little bit more bioavailable. You're absorbing it a little bit easier. And it kind of tastes good. Right. Vitamins are bullshit. <laughs> Except in athletic greens. No, I think just the broad point. Yeah. The broad point is that vitamins are real. Our bodies do need them. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's just that a lot of times people will not have a well enough balanced diet to actually get all the vitamins they need. Right. And Athletic Greens gives a good way to be able to get that. When it comes, they typically recommend sort of the base way to do it is to dissolve the powder in some water and you like shake it up in this little shaky container yeah. they give you. I thought that was pretty good, but I kind of like it mixed in with some Greek yogurt. So that's the way I've been uh, eating it. That sounds it. good. I think it's fun. Guys, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, there's two guys who talk on this pod, me and Sean. One uses Athletic Greens, Sean. I don't. And, uh... You know, I'm not looking too hot these days. <laughs> I'm not looking too great. Look, uh, you know, I look worse than Sean. Sean has recently had a dead man's knee implanted into his knee. So, uh, so you know. That's great. And I, I think a lot of that comes down to Athletic Greens. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Look, so one of the cool things about getting an Athletic Greens subscription now is that the subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, like an extra vitamin D supplement, which is important because, frankly, almost none of us get enough vitamin D in our diet. It's one of the most common issues with people is yeah. that they'll have low levels of vitamin D. And so this is a good way to get it. And, you know, it's all year round, including those winter months when we're all staying inside. Like, yeah. well, it's or in those summer months. 
when you're still staying inside. I and like computer games. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to say about it. Yeah, dude. I'll be playing a lot of Path of Exile, and you know, it's the kind of thing that's affordable. It's on par with having a multivitamin, right? And it's been reviewed a lot, over seven thousand five star reviews according yeah. to the ad copy. All from scientists, <laughs> so it's been peer reviewed. Well, at the end of the day, there's nothing really wooey-woo about this product. Right. It's vitamins right. in powder form. Right. Mix it with some stuff and eat it. Right. I'm you know a skeptical I mean? guy. A lot of health stuff I think is, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm skeptical about. But this, this is sure shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a bunch of vitamins. It's pretty straightforward. And I guess uh, here, here's some ad copy I'm supposed to read verbatim. Well, right now, <laughs> it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Uh, that's actually true. I will say one place where vitamins play a really big role is in the functioning of your immune system. And so if you're not eating a well-balanced diet, your immune system can have some detriment to it due right. to not having enough vitamins. So, you know, it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day or with some Greek yogurt. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make that it shit easy. Is expensive, dude. Yeah, it can add up for real. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging, because we're an emerging podcast. That's what they've decided. Uh, again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's kind of like... Um... How poor people call themselves lower middle class. <laughs> Emerging pot, I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, guys, go get the shit. That is, that is exactly what it's like. Go buy a blood of greens. <laughs> you are right. All right. So, venom, idiot, easy to treat. Anti venom. Yes. Right? Anti venom, I mean, we probably, all you gotta do is you gotta take the venom and you, you like kinda, I think I saw this in an eyewitness episode once. You just kinda like, you like put it in a in a thing and you kind of shake it, and then you like it's like the molecules go upside down. And then uh, like anti -venom, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say you, you get like a vial of the venom and you draw like a vial. Like a, like a, like That's a, the word I wanted. Like you a smile. goatee on it or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, mirror, mirror venom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, All right, but anti venom is kind of hard to make. So what anti venom is made out of fundamentally are antibodies. Okay. And they're antibodies that specifically recognize and bind to like the all kinds of shit that's in venom. Venom, there are so many different proteins and peptides right. in the venom of any specific animal. I'm not even just saying that there's lots of different kinds of venom like from different animals. I'm saying that like, like different species of rattlesnake, their venom has a lot of things in it. Okay. So here's my question then. Yeah. I feel like a fantasy trope is that someone will like drink small amounts of a poison for a long time so they have a natural immunity. Yeah. Uh, that vis-a-vis -vis strychnine and hemlock, that sounds stupid, yeah. given what we've talked about. Yeah. But with venom, yeah. that's actually not stupid. Right, yeah. Crazy. Although you wouldn't really drink it. You'd okay. inject it. You'd have to, right. And they had fewer syringes in medieval times. Uh, yeah, although you just need to stick it into your, like, muscle, you know, area. Like, you don't need to get uh, it into your bloodstream. Right, okay. So you could get it on, like, a little stick thing, kind of stick it through your skin. And, yes... That would work because you would start generating antibodies against the venom so long as the dose is low enough that you don't kill yourself. Right? Yeah. And so actually... My first mistake. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> first and last mistake. As you're convulsing on the <laughs> So... The snake venom's the thing <laughs> that'll kill the conscience of the kid. So, yes. So, so because different animals have lots of different stuff in their venom. Because he's dead. 
Yes. She doesn't have a conscious either. Yes. Uh, because different animals have lots of different stuff in their venoms, and because the antibodies in anti-venom are pretty specific in terms of what they bind to, there aren't really that many broad-spectrum anti-venoms. Okay. Like, you can sometimes get away with an anti-venom having some effect on related snakes, for example. All right. Because the proteins are pretty similar in structure. But, like, honestly, you kind of need to know, like, what you got bit by to know what anti-venom you need to help you. Okay, that right? sucks. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, it can be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, especially, like, with snakes in a country you're not from. You're like, I don't know, it's big. Yeah. It's a big snake. Yeah, it was like the angry looking one that it was yeah. colorful. And then boom, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so step one to making anti-venom is, of course, to have a diluted amount of that venom. Yes. Step two is get a horse. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to basically inject the horse with the venom. Ouch. Okay, which seems not nice. Well, but then again... After World War One, we had all these horses. <laughs> yeah. right? I guess yeah. we didn't have and that well, many horses. That's true. Yes, yes, you're right. I'm sure that the horse levels dropped for World War One, uh, and then we figured out what warfare looks like in World War Two. Yeah, yeah. We probably had a surplus for a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. and then the glue factories filled up, and we didn't need that much glue anymore. Horses have gone through a lot. <laughs> yes, it's been it's been a capricious century for horses. <laughs> yes, yes. But another thing that we do to horses is make anti venom. Yeah, you can do this for a lot of big animals. It doesn't have to be horses but it's fun for horses right right, right. <laughs> um and so the idea is you need to use a diluted would it be venom. more humane to do it to prisoners who said yes and we pay them like five bucks <laughs> is that more ethical than a horse i think i think we need to pull the audience <laughs> debate right in yeah. right in to <laughs> us let us know if you would rather use anti-venom produced in prisoners yikes because we do have more sympathy for horses than prisoners right see not me That's me neither, actually. I I love prisoners. I see a horse and I think glue and soup, right? Well, now think anti-venom, too. Yeah, and anti-venom. All right, let's not get distracted by ethical qualms, right? Point is, you get a horse, you throw the venom in there. Yes, diluted enough to not kill the horse. But instead, it acts a little bit like a vaccine, okay? Horses start making antibodies against the venom. Vaccines are venom, aren't they? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They are not, but... (laughs) Uh, the, the idea <laughs> They're toxins because it's not an animal injecting you. It's just the system. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's, no. let's not. Let's, <laughs> let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, uh, horses start making antibodies against the venom. Okay? Right. And in a very similar way to vaccines, you give the horse booster shots of the venom wow, over time. Wow, that sucks. And they produce more and more antibodies. Like, in the booster shots, you often up the dose of venom. Right. And you get a more and more aggressive response. This is why so many horses are part of the anti-vax movement. <laughs> It's because they see a syringe and they're like, oh, not again. (laughs) And so then, after you give them enough boosters, now it's time to collect up some horse blood. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Smack my lips. I I couldn't make the sound loud enough to get through on a pod. There we go. Collect the blood. Yes. And then you get serum from the blood, which means you separate the liquidy part from the red blood cells. And then, boom, you have some antivenom, Okay. Typically, you go through a little bit more purification and safety checks and all of that, but at the end of the day, it's very much an animal product, and there is variability from animal to animal, right? It's not something that's right. being made in a factory or something like that. Interesting. Um, so so vegans can't take anti-venom. I, I have no idea what vegan stances are on medicine that involves animal products. I Like, I literally don't know how they feel about that. I don't think that. you want to know the vegan attitude towards medicine. No, oh, come on. <laughs> There's a lot of vegan people I'm who do medically stuff and are totally chill with science. That's true, that's true, that's true. Yeah, so I, I have no idea. I have no idea what the attitude is about that. 
that's actually interesting. I do wonder, do you guys care when there's animal products involved in making your medicine? Because, like, a lot of medicines got animal products in it. Yeah. That'd be a serious bummer. I do know that, like, for example, uh, vegans try not to take pills that have gelatin in them. Right. But I don't know what they do about this. Yeah. yeah. In any case... This whole process is time-consuming it, and It's hard expensive. because I feel like being vegan and going to the back hills of India are like a surprisingly overlapping Venn diagram. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, if anyone else is going to travel to an Indian village, I feel like it's vegan. Yeah. You know? Well, why not? Yeah. I mean, but the anti-venom, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is troubling, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It opens you up to an ethical quandary. That is true. Although they don't have much anti-venom there either anyway. Because That's true! The point is... Anti-venom is time-consuming and expensive to make. Right. Okay. It requires cold chain to move it around. What that means is that anti-venom needs to stay cool because yeah. it's antibodies. The antibodies can break apart if they're right. left at room temperature That's actually one long. of the biggest uh, limiting factors to medicine in the developing world in general, right? Oh, it's yeah, Refrigerated yeah. medicine. Yes, exactly. I mean, that was a big deal with the COVID vaccines for a while. Right, exactly. And, and it's still an issue in the sense that, like, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson, the ones very popular in the U.S., just simply are not tenable in a lot of places in, like, Africa and stuff like that. Right. Because the cold chain is weak or non-existent, and those need to be stored not just at, like, refrigerator temperatures, but, like, freezer temperatures, right? right. So some of them need to be very, very cold. And that's just not available in, like, clinics right. you know, out and about, right? So, in any case, antivenom has a similar issue in that they need to be kept cold, usually refrigerated. But that can still be enough to make it sort of hard. And then also, you need specific antivenoms. And each specific antivenom, that's another horse. You know what I mean? Like, you, like the, these can become very expensive to make. Right. Every single specific iteration of... And then have all of those stocked up in India because there's like a hundred snakes that might bite you. Right. right? That's a very difficult right. thing this to do. Right. This is easier in California. Oh, yeah. When there's like like one venomous spider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, we, we got we got rattlesnakes around here. Right. We got rattlesnakes around here. But there's not that many species of snakes that bite people right. commonly. And so you really don't need that many kinds of antivenom in a place like California. Right. Whereas in India, you need it for like all 500 different members of the BJP. Right? Each yes. one has a unique venom. They, they are all venomous. Yeah. So antivenom is the main treatment, okay? A lot of times along with antivenom, people will have uh, antibiotics given to them, okay? And that's not just because we give people antibiotics for everything. In this particular case, when you are bitten and it breaks through your skin, bacteria could get introduced, mm. okay? And actually, a lot of times with spider bites. Right. If you see a picture on the internet of a right. spider bite that looks like really fucked up and nasty, like it right. looks the like the skin, yeah, the necrosis is not actually the toxin. Right, it's not the spider bite. Pretty much any of the time. Right. Spider bites are not sufficiently necrotic to humans to be able to do that. Yeah, but it's, some bacteria it's is almost always a staph infection, oh. and the staph got introduced by the bite. A lot of times, it's staph that was already living on your skin. Right. But now there's the a puncture, giant fucking hole. Yes. Yeah. Having the, exactly. Having the puncture in there is how the staff got in. And then if things weren't cleaned up properly and treated properly, then that staff can get in there and start basically eating away at your flesh. It is amazing what people go through to have one good photo online. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just kidding. Well, I don't think that's what that photo what, what I think is impressive to me is what people will like where their threshold to go to the doctor is. Right. Because it's like, dude, there's like a hole in your arm. Yeah. Of like your flesh eaten away. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is a problem. Um, I cut a little bit of my finger off cutting baguette. Yeah. And Stacey's like, you're going to the hospital. Although that's only after I bled for four hours. 
Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stacey was like, you dumbass, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had to do a meeting with the guys. You yeah, could have done that smarter, I think. Um, <laughs> that was fine. Okay. And then lastly. Although sucking... I still don't fully feel at the end of that finger. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I actually, uh, where I got my surgery on my knee, a there's a funny. part of it that's like a little like sort of tingly numb in it. I hate that feeling. Yeah, well, nerves are tough. Do you think if I touch my part of my index finger where I have that tingle... And your part where you have that tingle, like, we'll both just, like, I don't know, like, combust or something? Uh, it's, it's like the tree falling in the forest when no one hears it. I don't know. If, if you touch me and neither of us feel it, did it happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Nathan. Okay, well, anyway, anyway. Um, sucking on a bite does not help. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's we've joked about thing. that a few yeah. times now. I, I, I want to finish with that note, okay, because it, it was like It's a, like such a trope. Yeah, it, it was like in, like, a 1910s Boy Scouts booklet about like what to do you know what i mean and they were wrong it just doesn't help like the realistic situation is that once there's a bite there's pretty much no way that you are sucking on it so quickly that you're really getting venom out anymore if anything most of the thing you're pulling out almost no way so if you're like a real fast boy scout you're just like what (laughs) like your mouth just like (laughs) like magnets if you were holding the snake and you made the snake bite someone and then you started sucking on it right away maybe that'll help yeah it's kind of like when people are trying to uh what's the drink i'm thinking of where oh when when you're like doing a shot of tequila or something like that you like bite the lime and then you drink the tequila really fast if it's like that but with a snake bite and you suck maybe it help a little bit then maybe a little bit yeah but that's almost never the situation well you know what's going on there is it's a psychological thing like the real 1910 boy scout solution to a snake bite was to watch your friend die oh yeah right so like you want to like you, you want to tell the kid there's something they can try to do yeah because yeah, yeah. there's like not going to be anti-venom they're not getting that like that kid's just gonna die right yeah, so like that's true. but you can't write in your manual <laughs> like watch, watch your, your friend, friend die. die. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So will be like, oh, suck it. <laughs> I would have, I would have told them like, oh, build a small fire so that like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they can be warm as yeah, they convulse. So, so that like we're all comfortable while the, while they die. Oh boy. Um, anyway, all right. So yeah, just stop sucking on the bite. Doesn't yeah. help. Doesn't help, guys. Okay. Uh, and then let's go into our last thing that we wanted to talk about today, which was venomous amphibians. Right. Okay. Now. The reason why I wanted to have this last is because you had kind of called out in the last episode. You're like, are there venomous amphibians? Right. This is complicated. It's a... I mean, I was about to say pedantic. It's not pedantic, but it's like a definitional issue. Is like, there's a lot of very famously poisonous amphibians, right? Like fucking Amazonians yeah, in, in popular like myth. Poison dart frogs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like you'll, you'll rub your arrow with it or yeah. something. Kill your enemy. Yeah. Very toxic. Um, these are not venomous because they're not injecting you with venom. Right. Right. It's just to make, it's to discourage predation, right? Right. They have a bunch of toxins in their skin and in glands around their skin. And they're like, don't eat me because I'll kill you if you eat me, right? So there's no, no venomous amphibians. See? But that's the thing. Whoa! Is that there is one kind of amphibian that I think is unambiguously venomous. Right. And those are... Newt Gingrich. The Sicilians. Uh, Okay. Which is very close to Sicilians. Yeah. Sicilians. Which is pretty close to where Newt Gingrich was living for a while. (laughs) Uh, and they are amphibians that, at first glance, look a lot like snakes because they don't have limbs. Right. Okay, they are basically snake amphibians. Right. And a lot like snakes, they have a venomous bite. They have these tiny glands near their teeth, and the glands near their teeth kind of release the venom onto their teeth, and then they bite you, and that injects the venom through your skin. Is right? this to eat? Like, are they predators? 
Uh, this can both be defensively and maybe to aid in like kind of a little bit of pre-digestion or something Interesting. like that. Um, so, I mean, snakes kind of do that too, right? I guess snake, snake, snake fangs are like hypodermic needles is what I feel like yeah. you always say in nature documentaries. Yeah, so snake, uh, snake fangs, I would say in contrast to Sicilian teeth and everything, the snake fangs are kind of designed for venom delivery a little bit more carefully. Mm. In this case, the venom is just like kind of going all around the mouth and just coating teeth in general, and then they're biting. So how does that not endanger the animal itself? Does it just like have natural antibodies to the venom that it produces? Well, a lot of venoms, if they go down your digestive tract, yeah. will just be harmlessly digested. Right. Injection really matters. Here. Yeah. It needs to get into the tissue is kind right. of a bigger thing there. Interesting. Um, In fact, because of the citric acid, they largely taste good. Um, so you are really fixated on the taste <laughs> thing, I've noticed. You're like very into it. You brought it up. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Sicilian venom, we haven't studied all that well yet. So we're not entirely sure how complex it is, how similar right. it is to anything else. But they still definitely do produce this venom. It definitely gets... Like, its main mechanism, the way it works, it has to get through the skin via a bite. Right. So it is definitely venomous. Okay, right? and, if, and if we stretch our definitions, there's actually more venomous amphibians. Yes, there's two other kinds of amphibians, and I think this is maybe a little bit of a harder sell, but basically there's a couple species of salamander and a few species of frog that basically have spiky bones. Right. And under threatening circumstances, they can basically poke you with their spiky bones. And the spines have venom? The spikes go through their own skin, and their skin uh, has, has toxins. Wow, this is like very BDSM-y sounding to me. Yes, Just yes. through their own skin? Right, so for example, Gnarly. with the salamanders, what they're pushing through their skin is their ribs. Ugh. Like, their ribs are sharp. And so they'll like flex their body a certain way and let's like literally rip through their own skin with their own rib bones mm. and poke you with it. That's perturbing. And it can hurt you. There's a paper I read where they were describing the system saying one of our field researchers, CF, was reaching for one of these salamanders and then literally got stabbed with the spine, with the, uh, with the rib bones wow. of the salamander and their whole arm felt like it was on fire from that stab wow. in their hand, basically. So right. like, the venom works. Like, I guess it, it the guy described the sensation before he died of cardiac arrest. So he didn't die. He, he was just like, that was an oh, ouchie. Lame. <laughs> yeah, so, so he was sad about it. But the frog version of this, instead of being rib bones, is their skull bones. Ugh. Certain parts of it are like spiky. Uh, and so, like, I guess they can, like, headbutt you or some shit wow. and then, like, envenomate sounds you. Sounds like a Pokemon, like, like, yeah. like, put It's, it's kind of weird, right? Venom fag headbutts. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And then you get poison. Yeah, yeah. It would actually be a very cool mechanic in Pokemon if they did that. Well, there is a poison mechanic, isn't there? There is a poison mechanic, but you don't normally get it from headbutt. Headbutt's normally a normal <laughs> head move. Headbutt's normally a normal <laughs> move. <laughs> um, so, that's some kind of crazy shit, right? It's a little bit, like, I think technically that counts as a venom. Right. Because it is purposely Yeah, it's like on purpose you. trying to get those toxins through your skin so that it can do its function. That's right? pretty cool. But, it's, it, I mean, it is pretty complicated, right? That's like kind of an iffy sort of in-between place. Right. Because it probably was making those toxins in its skin as a poison anyway. Right. Right? And so this is just sort of like, bonus, we can shoot our ribs out some and then stab you? Yeah. Anyway. So, that's fun. I didn't know about those amphibians. They were weirdos. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it is interesting. There are a lot more animals that develop venom than you'd think, especially given how energy intensive it is. Yeah. 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 
so, think it's yeah. just a cool tactic, you know? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So next time, we're going to talk about how Venom is used in medicine as, like, you know, how we can use the characteristics of Venom to, like, save human lives. Yeah. Uh, but then also we're going to talk about snakes because snakes are, uh, they sort of have the most advanced venom that we've studied so far. Yeah. So they have really interesting venom. There's lots of different kinds of venomous snakes. And then we're going to talk about mammals because there's, there's actually, few, yeah. but there are a few of them. Yeah, but they're all in our political system. So we need to, we're going to have a very in-depth sociopolitical conversation next episode. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, guys. Well, thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you to Brian and Griffin for the art. See, if I say the Brian and Griffin part, then you need to try to say our email address and no. you don't know it. <laughs> so that's why you got to always say oh, Brian and Griffin. Uh, all right. And our email address is PetriDishPod at gmail.com, at DishPodcast on Twitter, Patreon.com slash PetriDish. We'll see you guys next time for Venom Part 3. Oh, my God. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>